You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is To Stir with Love with Rabbi Yitzchak Kolokowski. Tales from Prison. Rabbi Yitzchak, you've told me something which I found surprising, which is that there are many of the incarcerated people there that are incarcerated, uh, a very large percent of people incarcerated there are incarcerated for violating um, gun control laws. Um, and uh, why, don't you, why don't you explain that? Because I'm not sure if Pennsylvania has a very strict uh, gun control issues or not, um, but how is it that they, be, how is it that they become uh, sent to your uh, institution because of violation of gun controls? I'll be honest, I don't know if I understand it myself. I mean, you would assume in a big city like Pittsburgh or Philadelphia or even, you know, uh, Allentown or Harrisburg, that that's where you would encounter the gun control issues. But a lot of the guys who are there on gun violations of, you know, having a gun without a license tend to be from rural areas where you would think that the Gun control laws are, are pretty lax. Are pretty <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's, I, I remember, you know, encountering, yeah. encountering guys, you know, having to give them a death notification. That's a major part of my job is to inform someone that a relative of theirs has passed away. Um, but there was one guy, though, he didn't, uh, he, it, he came to me because he wrote to me about something. He made a bet with another inmate about some issue in Judaism. I don't remember what it was. It was early when I was working there and he had this question, what do Jews believe about one thing or another? I don't exactly remember what it was because it was a while ago. And then I looked up his case and I was like, what, this, this seems pretty ridiculous that, you know, you got two years for, for just carry, you know, carrying a gun. And he explained what happened of how at least the story he told, who knows if it's true or not, but he kind of made it sound like it was a setup that um, this neighbor of his was some kind of a, a, a professional informant and he was, and he asked him to um, sell him an antique gun or something without a license or, you know, some, something along those lines. That's the story that the inmate told me. Anyway, he got out pretty shortly after that, but, you know, I, had an interesting conversation with with, with that so the, fellow. So basically, what it is is that there, are, you know, that despite the fact that we sort of associate Pennsylvania with hunting, um, you know, people say Pennsylvania is basically like Alabama, uh, with Pittsburgh and Philadelphia at the ends of the uh, of the state. But there's and there's plenty of people with guns in that state. But I mean, not not only like Alabama, it's like the United States. It's almost like uh, like the East and West like Coast. Alabama. We yeah. So, but so I assume there's plenty of people in that middle area, in in, in Hazen and in um, Clearview and in all those cities that I've passed through, um, <laughs> driving to Chicago very, very many times. I'm sure there's plenty of people with firearms, but I guess certain types of firearms, uh, like the ones that are automatic, the ones that are um, considered um, assault weapons, is that what the, most of your inmates are in for? Uh, it's not right that they're holding. I think it's more just that they managed to get them on a technicality. They're trying to get them for something else. There's another inmate who's part of our Native American tribe there, and he's severely mentally ill. And he 
really lives in a, a fantasy world where he he believes he's some kind of a secret agent that he can <laughs> fly to Mars and he has a time machine. He has all kinds of interesting stories and writes me letters about how a, a blessed crucifix can can ward off alien vampires that are invisible and these experiences that he's had in encountering demons and and the devil himself and different a alien species. He has. We've got to get it. We've got to get him on the show. Maybe you can make a special dispensation. We can have him as a guest. I think he would be. I think our listeners would find him quite interesting. But go ahead. What uh, he? Um, that's what he's there for. Is that, that he was he? They got him. It's not his first time in prison, um, but it was a pretty minor gun charge of just having a gun without the proper license. No kind of um, special type of gun or anything. But be, and it's almost like seemed like either an excuse to lock him up for his mental illness or or maybe it's all true and they have to keep it secret that he has the time machine and the spaceship and all the <laughs> and all the things that he claims because he actually he 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 came to me asking if he could teach a class to other inmates uh, about this subject of ufos and what i wound up doing was um finding articles from different religious uh backgrounds and different authors um but from a kind of religious or spiritual perspective on this subject and him and one or two other guys we would sit and read these articles that was kind of our our mm. time to discuss uh ufos and and aliens but, but uh, there was another fellow who joined this group who was there for arson and he has a whole story of that he committed the arson because either an alien or a demon was in the walls of the house. And, he, and this was the way to exercise this being that was living in the house. And the interesting thing about this fellow, and that's all mentioned on his rap sheet, but when you look up on the computer, the inmates, you it says, you know, severely mentally ill is a very common uh, mark. And then this, not the guy with the guns, but the arsonist does not mention anything about mental illness, despite the, uh, the story he has about this this alien or demon he wasn't sure exactly what it was living in the walls of the house that he burned down and the the story reminds me of the story in the, in the Yosher about uh, a, a man who uh, you know the story in the Yosher? it's and quite I... a it's a pretty sexy story about a uh, uh, this woman by the Pesach Seder said, where did her husband go? And she finds that through the wall, they go into another dimension. And and this and this husband is in bed with this succubus, this female Lilith demon, something that was his second wife. This man had two wives. He had a, a human wife and a demon wife. And the story goes, this, I think it took place in, in Pozna. There's many, there, there are many people who believe that, even though they don't have to go through the wall. Many people have one yeah. wife who sometimes they feel is the yeah. is, is is the regular and the demon. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, the story depends. goes go ahead. that someone this is this is in the safer Kavayasha that the um, it sounds it sounds much more it sounds like a, yeah yeah it sounds very yashristic but go ahead yeah that the, that the children yeah that the, the the demon children the hybrid demon children of this man when someone the house was condemned and it was uh it was you know a a ruin because the man and the family the wife and the kids left and the man went crazy or died or whatever and all that was and 
the demon children claimed that the, this was their Yerusha, the house was their Yerusha, and then the someone wanted to claim the house and, and build the house, you know, knock it down and build a new house on that property. And the demon children may were to veil him to Bezdin that this is their Yerusha because their father, who was the human being, owned this own this house mm -hmm. and the Bezd and Paskin know that they didn't have any right, which I I don't remember exactly what was the 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 svara behind the. It has to be kiyivaleid because it has to be it has to be a leda has to be a normal leda. I don't know if I don't know if this I, Lilith I being births ch children in the same way. I don't know if it's derech. You're not makayim pru revu lechayra. I mean, by, the, by, the, by the, the Gemara says that the shadim. By, by, by Adamarishon, that Adamarishon yeah. for 130 years was being moiled, but he was right. He but was being are, he was being moiled, but was she being moiled then? But, but also the Gemara says in Chagiga that there's three drachim that the shadim are kimlach yasharis and and feeder adam, and it says that that the 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 parim of Ravim. So that's that's one of the parim of Ravim ka adam. Uh -huh. So. Adam, yeah. So I, I don't know if they're, you know. But, is that, but, but does that happen within the human and shade species? Maybe among themselves, they're parinvarovin. But maybe when a human connects to them, um, he doesn't necessarily, uh, right? I mean, you do well, have. At least, at least in Halakha, and the, and the shade were, were machnia to the psak of the Bezdin. If the Bezdin paskin something, that they, they, they were macabre and they left and they went, they went back wherever they, they came from and they didn't. They no longer uh, lived in that. So, uh, so you see from this Kaviyosha that sometimes the uh, what sounds like the mad ravings of an inmate in Weimart might have some basis. Let me get back to guns for a second here, which yeah. is that I guess the speaking about people that are madly raving, it sounds like many people take their guns out when they shouldn't, and even though they might be able to use their guns to go hunt, like um, you know, like uh, De Niro and uh, Christopher Walken and uh, in the Deer Hunter, uh, which was yeah. set also in Pennsylvania somewhere, um, they would be. It's our first movie reference for those that are counting. Um, that uh, you know what I got to save that one for. I think I'm going to put that one on for later anyway. But there you have the. Uh, of course, guns feature very prominently in that film. Uh, Michael Cimino's, uh, you know, huge shaggy dog of a film, which uh, you should appreciate considering your propensity for shaggy dog stories. But yeah. Um, so uh, there is hunting going on, but to wave the gun out in public, uh, to get angry and to wave a pistol or a rifle, that's probably maybe why some of them well, that's, get that's, tossed that's in the That's already creek. more than that. Yeah, that's, that's, that could already be considered assault. Assault. That, that's that's even, even if without, you know, or brandishing a weapon. But I, a lot, we have a lot of people who just are in, are convicted. Generally, they're not such long sentences, but some of the mentally ill, they give them longer sentences where it's just for owning a gun without without a the proper licensing and, and maybe that, they and couldn't get the license because of their uh their health their mental health background is that possible yes either mental health background or or a criminal background also could could be a reason why they couldn't get the, the license so yeah. but well, the, the other thing is you, you want you, someone is not sent to a state prison unless they have at least a two-year sentence so it's it's one of the other chaplains who works with me is the Catholic deacon. He would talk talk about how his father was a warden in a county jail when he was growing up, and his and his father would always get annoyed. This one judge would give these sentences that were 
uh, one year and 11 months, which would mean that they wind up in the county jail instead of sending them to, to the state prison. But by by us, you'll sometimes have people who are like, oh, why, why are they here? They maybe should have gone to county jail for a year or something when they, instead they they wind up with these sentences that maybe are a maximum of two years and then they wind up uh, hanging out with us. But uh, one, of, one, one of the Native American boys who was by us, his brother wound up uh, being arrested for something and it was a whole question how long his sentence was going to be and he kind of the brother kind of told him the brother who got out kind of said to his brother you're probably better off going getting two years and coming here because then we have an Indian chief and we have <laughs> ceremony once a week and if you're in the county jail you're not going to get anything you know right so Right. Yep. It's uh, definitely. I and, and you're <laughs> you're being recommended, <laughs> and you've got Kolakowski there. You have you get great service there. You know, yeah. go for yeah, the two almost, year. Almost, almost like going to Otisville. You know, I, and, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, Otis going not. You, in other words, Otis going to Mayberry. Oh, oh, I thought you were no, Otis, about Otis, Otisville. Otisville uh, up in New York. Yeah, I thought you were yeah, saying Otis, Otisville. I was thinking about Otis and in Mayberry in, uh, going in, into in the. <laughs> So, yeah. The old Andy, yeah, Otis would let himself into that city jail and yeah. plop himself down. That was the drunk tank. Yep, Otis had a good yeah. time there. Um, that was my first conception. I think of jail was was watching Otis at the, uh, yeah. at, 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 you know, letting himself in. I had a very benign, uh, I had a very benign vision of what a version vision of what uh, prison I, was. I, well, I before, I, yeah, go I ahead. I think I told you the story about the the one night I spent in jail, and there was yes, one yes. fellow there. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. There was heard one about... fellow there who was almost like Otis, and he said, he he said, oh, I've had enough of these these county jails. I got to rob myself a. A bank and re retired to a federal prison, lived a good life. <laughs> That's right. You don't get the same amenities. Tell me, uh, yeah, and with maybe, yeah, maybe Biden will put in the um, in the budget a little more uh, for those federal prisons, so they could even get a little bit uh, better situations. Let's talk a little bit about before we get to the flicks. Let's talk a little bit about what you feel, you know. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about you know, you know situations I've had with uh, congregants with guns. What do you think? I mean, we know that the the um, the um, Second Amendment definitely um, uh, you know, gives the freedom of to, to bear arms uh, in order to uh, stave off um, uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, a dictator like government. Um, what do you feel? I mean, there's been a lot of discussion whether owning firearms is a uh, should be halakhically banned. They're not considering um, uh, you know everything, all the terrible mass shootings and things that are going on. What's your? What's your? I know that you're a die-in-the-wool Republican. Um, yeah, what do you? I, what's and, what, and what's and your I, sheet on? What's your sheet on gun control in general? I mean, I mean we we discussed that story that I had a few years ago with the with the guns. Yes, yes, the, yes, yes. That was yes. yes those those of those of you that are listening to these episodes, we talked about your. Um, your experience that sort of, you know, led you to lose your my 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 Zayd Alavashalom was was a police officer. Well, he was a pro officer. He always carried his gun even to shul. And my uh, my father was a police officer, so we grew up with guns. And there were people in the shul. I never had guns personally, but we had people in the shul who, when I was the rub in Richmond, they asked me, "Is it okay uh, that I carry?" I said, "Not only it's okay, I I prefer that you have it because." I really think that the idea of a gun-free zone just makes people sitting ducks. Let, you know, the main reason for the Second Amendment is, as as the 
as the rabbi just said, that it's uh, it's really to prevent tyranny. Uh, obviously, there's limits to that. We know the story of the of the whiskey rebellion. You know, it's not it's not a free for all, but it, it, there's a there's it's supposed to instill a certain level, I believe, of of fear that the government should be afraid of the people and not. And one, I don't. They say it's not exactly true, but the the famous trope is, you know, one of the first things that that the Nazis did was was take away guns. And certainly, gun control has a a racist history in America, um, you know, linked to the the racist history of the Democratic Party. That that was, you know, major thing was was that they wanted to keep guns out of the hands of African Americans. One of the things that the the Ku Klux Klan which was the uh, the uh, essentially the 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 uh, uh, militant wing of the Democrat Party. Historically, <laughs> yeah. uh, they were they, they wanted wow. to keep guns out of the hands of the African Americans. So there there certainly is uh, it's it it that line within the yeah. the left wing part yeah. of America. It's it 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 continues that it's it's a way to control people and a way to also, yeah, I don't know. I have to push back. I, look, I, I agree with I, I can only partially agree with you. First, I'm not sure about the the clan. I mean, I am a southern boy, and um, you know where I come from. There's a uh, there's a uh, there's parks named after Nathan Bedford Forrest, the the uh, uh, Civil War hero, who I think was one of the first Grand Dragons of the clan. So you know, I come from clan country, and. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say that, um, you know, the, especially to align them to the Democrats today. The Dixiecrats are a lot different than the Democrats of today. I, I, I think most liberals who are preaching gun I mean, control. I mean, I mean, let Biden, me just finish the point. Biden's, you, the, you know, yeah. leader was was Bird. You know, that's what that was his his role model. In the, Robert in Bird from Robert Bird from West Virginia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but what I'm what I'm talking about is I think the liberal uh, aspects today that want to fight the NRA and um, you know basically you know disallow guns are really concerned about the what the potential the terrible killing potential that we've seen now of course the mass shootings get all the headlines but we know in in the large cities there are drive-by shootings and there there are, there are deaths by 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 bullets consistently and um, in fact you might remember that there was a um, there was a uh, an uprising almost, you know, that the that the you know the Baltimore basketball team, the NBA, was known as the Baltimore Bullets. Of course, then they moved to Washington. They were called the Washington Bullets, and people said, "How can you name the team after this thing that you know this item that kills people?" And so many people are dying from it. So I really think Yitzchak that that there is a, a, a worry, a pain. Um, it isn't all about controlling. With you know, I I I I don't have much sympathy. I really don't. Um, you know, you know, you obviously have to trust your your government and trust your police force um, to give up your weapons. But but I do think that 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 we we do not live in a in a tyranny, and I don't think tyrants are coming back. And I know the world will be a lot safer if you take guns away from people. Um, I, 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 well, that's like saying, uh, well, nobody's going to take drugs if you if if you make laws against drugs. But that doesn't work, you know. It's uh, all it does is make sure that the law-abiding citizens. I mean, take away the tyranny aspect, which I don't, I'm not so sure if it, it's not really a threat. But the the other aspect is that it's making people sitting ducks. I mean, if you compare the Tree of Life shooting and you compare Poway, 
the reason why there were so fewer victims in Poway was because there was a good guy with a gun there. Whereas in, in Tree yeah. of Life was a gun-free zone, so those people were sitting ducks. Yitzchak, look, obviously there are test cases where, which, where, where your theory uh, can pan out as correct, which is that if good guys have guns, then the bad guys are scared of them. But on the other hand, a society, if we take a holistic picture, a big picture, and we take a society where guns are available in such a free fashion, and you know, again, you're telling me there's always going to be some illegal way to to build the better mousetrap or whatever analogy we're going to say to get these illegal guns in. I don't know. Maybe we could work so hard that that uh, I mean, there are that that it's almost impossible to get a gun. Um, and even though the same way people can get hold of bombs and and other things, but but to be able to go into your you know your your Walmart. Um, on their way home from uh, Waymart, and you know, and and get yourself a weapon that can you know destroy, you know, sh- knock the head off of somebody, does seem very strange, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem strange? I mean, we know about Klee Zion, we know about the Beis Hamikdash, we know as we're going to as we're going to have at the end of this week's parsha about uh, about Hanofas Barzel on the Mizbeach, right? That it, there can't be a Klee Zion that's Makatzer Chayish uh, connected to the building of the Mizbeach, which is meant to be Mayrach Chayish Chazal clearly, you know, when they look at, uh, uh, even in the beginning of Beratius, when they look about uh, Tuval Kayan and the others who, who were, who, who, were cre- who created um, the, the weaponry, it's all done. It's all dealt with in a, a very negative way, uh, hiding the sakin shoshchita. Uh, um, again, I, I, when when we have to take the, the the damn things out, we have to take them out, and we have to use yeah. them, unfortunately. But they are a symbol of a very of a violent, ugly world, a world where a person's life can be terminated in in an instant. Doesn't that scare you? I mean, I was a rov in Houston. I don't know if I mentioned it on our, did I mention it on the, when we, when we had the conversation, you might have a better memory than me, I think in, in some ways, well, you are much younger, but I, again, I was a rub in Houston and I had a whole number of congregants that were packing. Um, and um, it was, you know, again, you figure, you figure it's Texas, but it wasn't only in my show, the other show as well. And I don't know, it seems to me as something quite, quite terrible. The fact that in Israel, there's so many Baruch Hashem Chayalim that have their weapons because unfortunately the reality of terrorism of Arabs coming in with machetes, Arabs coming in and attacking us is 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 is, is right there every moment. But no one thinks that it's a lukatchila to have it. Um, don't you think that that there that we can dream of a society where where guns are are completely uh, removed totally? Well, that's that's what the Nevi'im talk about. I think it's not only going to be goyel goy; it's the whole world is not going to be. But it's you can't be doiche because of kates. There's a there, we have to live in a reality that we we are in a fallen world. We're not in the an oilamatikin, you know. So it's not. Uh, I don't know. You know so when you when, when you think about the Newtown shootings and all these cases, or the the Columbine, and you think about um, children getting hold of guns. It all seems so, uh, you know, so grotesque and terrible. Um, and um, I, I don't know if any legislation can help, but I think the the NRA does come out sounding very tinny and very weird and strange, you know, fighting for this Second Amendment um, in a world that, come on, you know, look, um, 
uh, 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 automobile can be a weapon too, as we learned in uh, Charlottesville and other places. Um, and anything can become a weapon in the hands of a, of a maniac. But there's something about a gun with its immediacy, with its power. Um, even people might, even the, it could be fetishized, you know, its beauty, um, the accuracy, uh, the instant, <laughs> how instantaneous uh, things are with them. Um, I, I think there's something, you know, that 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 causes the pres guns presence. I think um, is is something which uh, contaminates, in many ways, our, our our sense of society. Just the idea that I'll get a gun, right, and 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 mow you down. The idea that you can end someone's life instantaneously. You know, the Medrash talks about how Cain kills Hevel. And of course, he was the first person to kill. He was, he didn't know how to kill him, right? So he's stabbing him in so many different places or hitting him in so many places. Today, every kid grows up with with the knowledge that if you have a gun, bang, you're dead. That you snap your fingers and the person is gone and he's no longer living. I don't know. With all the niftarim and COVID, with all the terrible people that we've lost and the G'dayla Yisrael and others, I don't know. The idea of ridding the world of of, of an item that can cause instantaneous death so quickly seems like a pretty good idea to me. I don't know. Again, we, we, we look forward, we, we all look forward to that day, but we, we also have to be realistic when it's, you know, uh, it's, it's almost like the, the Reb Tzadik talks about Karach and Atal Shekulit Chelis, and the answer was, you know, Mashiach's not here yet. The Atal Shekulit Chelis represents, you know, an idea of Ormak, if something that's that uh, when we don't even have the orpanini yet, there there is an idea that we're we're in a we're in a world where unfortunately this it's not again it's uh, and that is the idea that we see from Chazal from from the Mishnah in Shabbos where yes we uh, there's a whole question whether or not yes uh, I understand whether if a, whether a soldier going out uh, with his if a you soldier, know, if a soldier is dressed in his battle regalia, yeah. is it considered Haitzah on Shabbos? So yeah, there's so a machlekes. But the Einel Ganai is talk is, it's talking in a because Shabbos is also so it's the Olam Tukuli Shabbos. You know, it's a it, it's looking forward to that eschatology that 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 we haven't achieved yet. You know, that would be a reason why on Shabbos, and and yes, yeah, so of course we don't we 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 look forward to the day when we don't have this, but we have to. Be realistic that unfortunately we, we we're in this world where you know like the, like the tanya says there's there's evil in the world and and like like we said before that it's a it's a good guy with the gun that stops the bad guy with the gun but uh, you know the, i would say as a sort of a uh a pshara between what i'm saying and you're saying we definitely have certain people in our community we we have guards we can arm them but the idea that every you know every wally cox can go out and you know you know you know get a pistol and you know and have it ready i don't know you know it doesn't which I, which which i think you know justifies this whole discussion about people being in prison for having a gun without a license you know meaning that just like you need a license to drive a car you need a license to have a gun. You need to know what you're doing. You need to know gun safety. You need to be responsible. Uh, you know that was the problem that people had with with our that video that took place in my house. There were people who were very big gun people. People who go to the range every every week and and shoot. And they what they were offended by was that it seemed to be a lack of 
respect for what this what this is and uh, and perhaps even a lack of of gun safety and that was the reason why a lot of people were offended by it you know there were you know people who were pretty con- conservative people were offended by this uh you know it, i i i really didn't care one way or the other i wasn't uh, i wasn't really misspoke from the whole story until after everything happened but the yeah. the people who who were upset about it were were not there were uh, certainly there were the more i i don't i don't know if liberal is the right word the more left leaning people uh who were upset about it but there were a lot of people who were big second amendment big gun people who were offended by this and and perhaps rightfully so you know i don't know if i should have I gotten punished as much as i did for it but uh, oh, yeah i hear all right my my wife wants to Okay, one second. I want to. Can you get closer so we could have your voice recorded, Rebitson? What is it that you want to say? Yes. So I was there at Matzah Shabbos, and I actually was holding the camera and videotaping what the Havdalah and the guns. I grew up basically with a gun in my hands since I was five. My father taught me gun safety, and the guns were being handled safely. My children were in the house. I would not have allowed unsafe handling of guns in my house, period. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it was handled unsafe. I'm just saying that was the perception that- But I don't understand what, what that- I, Yeah. All right. Well, like we say, you know, again, we, we're not going to change the world here with this discussion, but maybe by understanding that I don't know, if, you know, again, we're not dealing with yahoos who just want to shoot them up like it's the old West. On the other hand, I don't think we're dealing with, um, with, um, you know, communists or Nazis who basically want to take the guns away from everyone and then we're going to control you and turn you into pod people. I don't think that's what we're talking about either. Um, I think there, there, there is a general sense of pain and disgust and hurt about what, what, we've, what we're doing to this planet and especially what we've done to societies. And if somebody would say have guns, the, the invention of gunpowder and the ability to create this, this weaponry and to give this weaponry to individuals, has that made society any better? No, it has, made, it is, it has heralded a cheapening of human life. Now, how do, we, how do we step back from the precipice? How do we step back? I guess that's really what we need to discuss. And we don't, we can't have illusions, is what you were saying. All right, let's talk movies. Um, yeah. What do you got here for me? What do well, you got for I, me? Uh, I, I, there's one movie that I haven't seen yet, and I don't even know if it's been released yet, but it does address this whole story. And it's but, seen but, a lot know, of before, commercials. Yeah, okay, before you start with this, remember, all you people out there who maybe don't know what movies are, Probably seventy percent of movies have a gun in it somewhere, right? Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> so that's, it really this is like shooting fish in a barrel. Sorry for the metaphor, right? Um, yeah. Give me a movie with guns that has something to do with guns. It's, it's almost like again this fascination. It's like every every movie's got a gun. Like Chekhov said, if the gun, if you see the gun in the second act, it's got to go off somewhere. But go ahead. What's what 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 is the movie that you haven't seen yet that you still want to talk about or recommend? What is well, it? I, I've seen I've seen the commercial has come up quite a bit. I believe Ben Shapiro had something to do with making this movie. Oh yes, his company, and it's called uh, I believe Run, Run Don't Run, Hide, Run Don't Hide, or something. Run Run Hide Fight. Run Hide yeah, Fight. Which is when we're being trained for an active shooter event that's that's how we're trained that's part of our training in the prison part of our training in the 
in a um, in a mental hospital, the various places where I work, we are trained. Oh, you so with tell me why. Uh, okay, you know, we, people who listen to this podcast can also listen to Ben Shapiro spout on. I like Ben Shapiro. I listen to him all the time, but I don't um, like him that much, to be honest. <laughs> I'm saying I like listening to him. I, I, he's yeah, he's I he's definitely an enter. I don't agree with him all the time, but I think he's entertaining yeah. and he gives an interesting perspective. But Ben Shapiro yeah. can advertise this movie. You haven't seen it. How could you? How could you even mention it as 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 a recommendation for our our, no, our I, avid I, fans? I, I never say anything's a recommendation. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I just, I'm just oh I'm boy. Intrigued. I'm certainly intrigued by this commercial because it's it's. Okay. Uh, Ask your wife if she's going to let you watch it. It was made after 1965. I don't know if she's yeah. going to let you. Well, it's not her. It's not her. It's my myself that I just. Uh, but there, <laughs> there are two movies that that come in mind. One I saw recently, and one I saw a long time ago, and I don't remember that well. Um, and one was Frank Sinatra's movie that that's I didn't see recently. Uh, that he regretted very much because he felt like it was almost like he felt some guilt as far as the the Kennedy assassination movie mm-hmm. called Suddenly, um, where he kidn- he plays uh, someone who uh, is trying to assassinate the president, and he kidnaps a, a family in a uh, suburban community and uh, expecting the president of the United States to be passing by and be. And what ensues there. And at one point he says a line, he says, well, I can't exactly kill the president. I'm just killing a man who happens to be right now the president, but then someone else will be the president after that. So it's, it's not as significant as, uh, as would be, but of course we know from history, the, the significance of the, you know, the presidents who, you know, the, the two big ones that, that everyone remembers of Lincoln and Kennedy, you know, even though McKinley was also shot and, and, uh, you know, they, they weren't the only, McKinley doesn't seem to get as much attention. In fact, Obama took away his, his mountain. His mountain. <laughs> yeah, he so, took away uh, his mountain. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, well, there, Sinatra, of course, was very tied up with the Kennedys and um, the mafia and the Kennedys and the whole glamour and glitz of that Camelot era that, you know, Sinatra loved uh, being involved in. And uh, he felt a, a very strong affinity to JFK. Um Although the um, and uh, the, the other film, of course, that Sinatra made that he took out of circulation, which uh, of course has a gun, because every movie has a gun, and it has to do with assassination, is the classic Manchurian Candidate, right? Manchurian which is candidate, yeah. which is uh, also, of course, you have Lawrence Harvey um, um, as the uh, hypnotized or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it was exactly, but they put this hypnotic suggestion in him in order to uh, kill the senator, right? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And Sinatra also got, you know, wanted that film taken away. He was in it, of course. Um, yeah, I can't really say much for Sinatra's acting chops. Um, you know, it's hard for me to see him as anything, you know, anything more serious than a singer. I mean, he definitely danced his way a little bit with Gene Kelly and Anchors Away and um, he made that film with Groucho Marx, which I'm sure you, you would, I don't know what it's called exactly, but, um, and he made a number of, again, he won the Oscar from here to eternity, but, um, yeah, I think it was a, uh, yeah, uh, I can understand his political leanings. What else you got for me? So we have sen- suddenly, um, run, shoot, run, hide, shoot. And what's the third one? Run, run, run hide, fi- run, hide, fight, run, hide, fight. And then, and then uh, 
the other one I watched this week was one of Roger Corman's first movies was called The Day the World Ended. So I guess there is that connection to eschatology and the question of, of uh, a post-apocalyptic world still still being involved with, with guns. So in this movie, the um, there's a, a nuclear holocaust and the... Uh, and the zombies and are walking the, around? Um, they're more mutants. They're kind of grotesque mutants that, that are walking around, but about I think there's about seven people who wind up uh, in a home all together and uh, and they're trying to survive um, you know to see what will happen and and they do survive and uh, but as far as the guns in the movie they they figure very prominently throughout the movie the guns that uh, there's there's a kind of a a gangster and his like uh, his his mall his girlfriend is there with him and they wind up in the house and they're uh, he's a, a pretty uh, unsavory character and he's always trying to get the gun away from the owner of the house uh, so he can you know pretty much take over and um, and and that's you know a point of uh, of drama throughout the film are these guns that this man is trying to get and Richard but- Denning is the hero who manages to to at one point you know they they get into a fist fight trying to uh Try as uh, because the 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 gangster is trying to steal the gun from the owner of the house, and then Richard Denning, who's a scientist of some kind, he he. So this uh, is sort of like Corman sort of posits them as these primal uh, archetypes in terms of this new world. Is it going to be the violent world symbolized by the gangster, or will it be the the scientist? But. The gun is still yeah, and, and, the gun is still yeah. crucial in controlling things. The, I guess the fascinating thing is that the so the this, the older scientist and his daughter, um, they um, you know they're there and they and so the, they lost a son slash brother who was actually training for to be a clergyman and they and in the pictures uh there's a picture of you know the sister and brother together and it's it's Roger Corman himself who's in the picture. Uh, as see. the brother who dies, who was supposed to become a, a minister, but uh, I see. So he's sort of taking a little page out of uh, one of my favorite uh, directors, of course, Hitch, by putting himself right. in some way yeah. in the film. Of course, Hitch put himself in a a, 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 a newspaper photo in Lifeboat, I think, um, right? As their, yeah. you know, that was Hitchcock's uh, puzzle. How he, how was he going to get himself into Lifeboat, which was a movie about. Oh. Uh, now I, I always which I think to... also had a gun. I think life yeah. did life. I think life. I think John Hodiak had a gun or something. And yeah. the question was, who was going to take care of that gun? And then it turns yeah. out to be they're one of the great villains of all time, Walter Slezak, who is the who plays Willie, the um, the uh, the U boat commander, right? I think it's so. Who ends up uh, commandeering the gun? Um, but again, like, I get like, you know what it's it's like I'm saying it's shooting fish in a barrel. I can name any any film that I think about probably has some a gun in it and it plays a certain plot contrivance at some point. I was but, listening to a, a song from Johnny Cash about about Gene Autry, and he talked about how Gene Autry would always shoot the bad guys, but they'd never bleed. And that was the, <laughs> right. That well, that's right. That was you have to try to figure out when was the first Hollywood film we actually saw even in black and white some aspect of blood coming out of somebody. All right, I'm going to go with uh, 
again on the on the you know I will say one thing where I think guns are used in a very um, interesting way, um, which is Hitch's uh, talking about Hitch in Spellbound, where um, you have uh, Gregory Peck and and Ingrid Bergman and Gregory Peck seems to be this very strange. You should see it, uh, Yitzchak. He seems to be this very strange. Um, uh, uh, I guess director of a of a of an asylum or an insane asylum, um, and uh, this new director, and it doesn't seem like he, things aren't exactly right with him, and of course there's a whole mystery which I can't remember all the details, but I do remember the incredible shot where Ingrid Bergman, who is really the love interest but also the brains behind everything, you know Ingrid Bergman, Ingrid Bergman uh, was served very well by Hitchcock. She she came across as a very strong um, thinker and um, uh, a heroine, unlike her role in Gaslight, where she was, you know, sort of this terrible victim. Um, but here she was actually figuring it out. But since she was getting close to discovering the truth, Hitch, of course, has this giant. Hitchcock shows you the uh, the point of view from the gun itself, as if the gun is is is, is a human looking at her, and you see um, you see the the victim as if. There, you were inhabiting the gun itself, and you can actually see the 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 victim to be, which was Ingrid Bergman, and you are sort of in the, you are living inside the gun and seeing as if the and you see the the you see the cocking of the uh, of, of the of the hammer of the gun, and as if it's going down, it's about to fire. Very classic, beautiful scene by Hitchcock, where again you see the centrality. Almost like we inhabit the guns themselves. Um, the other film, the other thing I'm going to suggest is something that, um, you know, we talk about uh, great uh, television programs sometimes uh, and, and television characters. I think you have to say of the top 10 television characters, I think, I don't know if you agree, you'd have to say Columbo is one of the top 10 characters in television. No? Um, I think so. Uh, yeah. I, uh, and Peter Falk, who of course is a Jewish fellow, played Columbo, an Italian uh, police lieutenant out in Los Angeles. And of course, the, the, the program, you know, really defies convention because, in some way, you know who the murderer is every single episode, right? right. <laughs> and 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 it's really how is Columbo going to outsmart this fellow? Um, what's interesting is is that Columbo, despite being uh, a policeman never fires a gun. He doesn't, you never see Columbo. Like the usual trope is even, you know, William Conrad as Cannon, you know, this big fat guy running after people or Buddy Epson as this uh, aged, you know, Barnaby Jones, they'd be running with a gun in their hand. Stop or I'll shoot, freeze. Yeah. You, never, you never hear that from Columbo. Um, but there is one episode where he fires a gun. Uh, he's not running after a criminal but he's 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 running a test uh in order to trap the criminal and that's an episode called playback uh from the fourth season of columbo uh, with uh, oscar werner who i think uh, was an academy award nominated german actor and it also has a great performance by gina rollins i'm sure you know who she is she is a um uh in a number of films with john cassavetes um and in this uh 
this is where Peter Falk fires a gun and he says he hates guns and he hates the way they sound. And before he shoots the gun, he says, you better you better um, put your hands in your ears because because it makes a real big noise. And, and, you know, I hate these things. And it's really great to see mind over guns. In other words, Colombo lives in this world. Colombo doesn't even have a raison d'etre if it's not for guns, because in most of the episodes, somebody is gunned down. And yet Colombo himself hates the damn things. And it's only with great, great hesitancy does he fire one into a big uh, planter full of sand to see if the sound that the gun makes would be enough to open the automatic electric door where Gina Rowland's this invalid is upstairs because this is a house, like a smart house with like an Alexa controlling it. And this, of course, was in the 70s when this thing was like was considered almost science fiction like. And that I thought was a real great uh, image of Columbo. You know, uh, I think there's another episode where they where they where um, Columbo is told by the uh, police force that he's in danger of losing uh, his status unless he goes and, uh, and and fires the guns in order to show that he can still handle the gun. But I think that episode playback, I think really, that one scene I think encapsulates some of the ideas that we're talking about. Um, you've got anything else for me? Oh, you know, like you said, there's so many so right. many, so many examples. It's, uh, it's right. I think we would. I, the program would go on until next. Uh, till, till, till I'd be a Mashiach. I mean, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's what we should do. Just keep on recording. Biz Mashiach Kumtin takes away and Masalik all the uh, the clay Zion from the belt. But I would say those. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there that, was there was the Simpsons episode. Weiter mit the Simpsons. Where Lisa, <laughs> she, she, they have the monkey's paw. And, what about uh, what about, about the fact that Maggie shot the uh, shot shot Mr. Burns, right? This yeah. Is a shot. yeah, but go ahead. And, all, and also Homer gets the gun and he he has <laughs> to uh, he hides it in the crisper with the vegetables. He said because no kid is going to look there where the vegetables are. <laughs> That's good gazelle by the writers of The Simpsons. Um, but the, the 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 there was the one episode where <laughs> they had the monkey's paw. It was the a Halloween episode, and they can wish for whatever they want. So Lisa prays for world peace. And Homer said, that was very selfish of you, young lady, that she prayed for world peace. But meanwhile, the aliens come because the prayer for world peace only applied to this world, but didn't uh, didn't rescue them from the aliens. And so the aliens were able to conquer them with very puny weapons because uh, because nobody had any guns left. So uh, I see, I see. So that's a, a, riot, a riot to your shita. Yeah, I'm just going to end with something I, I said before, Yitzchak, which is, of course, has become one of the most famous scenes. I'm sure the Simpsons uh, parodied it, which, of course, is the Russian roulette um, scene from the aforementioned Deer Hunter, right? Which is where you have um, Christopher Walken, of course, has um, stayed in Vietnam and become some sort of uh, uh, involved in this insane opium den-like area where he's constantly playing Russian roulette uh, because of, I guess, his, his uh, of what becoming a soldier has done to him. It's turned him into this violent killing machine. He can't live with himself. His life is all shattered. And he basically is in some terrible place there, uh, constantly playing Russian roulette. Uh, and you know what Russian roulette is, of course, is where you take a, where you, you don't know what it is? Yeah, sure, of course. Of course. So anyway, where you take the um, where you um, take one bullet and you put it into the gun chamber 
uh, and then you spin the chamber around. So therefore, I, I guess, you know, if it's a six shooter, so you basically, uh, uh, you have, uh, uh, the gun has six bullets, but when you spin it, you're not sure which, if the chamber is the one is filled or it's the one that's empty. And then you hold, of course, the, the, the dreaded item to your head, and then you bet to see if, right, and then the stakes get higher and higher. And uh, the person who chickens out, I guess, loses his money or something or loses something. And, and of course, um, I think that if you do get through the deer hunter and get through that scene and you see the depravity and how guns are, uh, how that gun is so much of a symbol of, of the depraved illness of this person, this death wish, another film with Charles Bronson <laughs> killing people who had, who had, who had, I think, raped his wife or whatever and killed his killed raped and killed his wife and went out and shoots everybody but the death wish of christopher walken and i guess really of of many people uh is sort of like fulfilled in this insane risk risk taking that we have with guns and uh i i can tell you the first time i saw the deer hunter i don't know if i've seen him more than once but the scene of course where um he seems to be winning up to a point where he doesn't care anymore and um he spins that car. He spins that um, uh, the chamber, and of course holds the gun up to his head and blows his brains out. Literally, Christopher Walken does there. And um, I think that that really puts you know, uh, despite you know the there's no celebration there of of the weaponry. And you see, I think you really see how ugly and terrible it is. So those those are my three. I mean, you know, I, I, it, it makes me think of there's a story of the, the riots, the, the Lubavitcher, that the, a communist held a gun to his head and he told him, you know, this, this little toy only scares people who have, uh, who have one world and many gods, but I have only one god and many worlds. So you could just put that away. It, it doesn't scare me. Definitely, we have to be ready. Look, unfortunately, those bullets that, uh, you know, we talk about the gas chambers, uh, before the gas chambers, before they became more efficient, it was those handguns, those rifles, those bullets that never, you know, caused all the, the, the petiris of all, of so many, many, many Eden. So, like I said, you know, and, and hopefully the, those, those Klezayan, which, like you say, or anything close to it, but as we know, the, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu has allowed and we have been partners in humanity in unleashing this this terrible evil that as we say we should be misspelled that we should come Shikola, we should come to a Kate's Gomer fart. Thank the Rebbitson for her cameo tonight. Be well Yitzchak. Enjoy. We'll see you Mirza Hashem hopefully next week. Take care. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 